Welcome to Metabytes Podcast. I am Noelle. And this is Rachel. And we are going to be discussing all things metaverse, from cryptocurrencies to NFTs to blockchain technologies to dApps and DAOs and smart contracts and everything in between. Be sure to share the episodes you like on social media and tag us at metamasterminds.io on Instagram. We will always repost you and you can also DM us questions that we will answer in the next episodes. And you can also join us in our Discord community, Meta Masterminds, and on Clubhouse, where we have extended discussions and we answer questions. Also, we have specially curated content on there. Be sure to follow on social media and subscribe to Metabytes Podcast now so you are notified of each new episode. We both look forward to enjoying this ride with you into the metaverse as we soar into 2022 and beyond. Now for the show. Hello, welcome to Metabytes Podcast. This is episode 11. It is Thursday, January 27th, 2022. I am Noelle. And this is Rachel. And we are very excited to have you here. We are having total connection issues, uh, <laughs> but not even, I don't think we should even bring attention to that. And um, hopefully the audio quality is really good for you guys. But gosh, there's so much going on today, Rachel. Like sometimes I'm just amazed at what happens in a 24-hour period as far as like in the metaverse blockchain world. So. I totally agree. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out if there's feedback, which there is a little bit. Um, let's see. It might go away, but I'll, I'll, we'll just keep going. Uh, so let's let's get into this first uh, topic that we picked out, which is really cool, uh, you know, Sandbox, which is one of the the biggest, most well-known popular metaverse spaces right now, virtual gaming, uh, virtual land. They're, they're doing a lot of things. I mean, they're very popular. They have their own coin. And basically, they just announced that they're launching an accelerator program, and they're going to offer $50 million to 100 different startups. So they're, they're looking, they're going to offer all of the startup capital to promote the development of the metaverse field. You know, as we've talked about on here, it's going to be a supply demand issue within the metaverse space. It already is, meaning there's way more companies, corporations that are going to need uh, developers and tech, tech people than are actually available with this, with the right skills, at least within you know, the gaming space and the metaverse space. So what do you think about this? Well, I- the good news is that we, that everybody can learn and people can learn how to do all of these different skills that are needed. Because if the demand is there, then that means you can charge a lot for it. If the demand is higher than than the, the supply than the supply so i mean this is an incredible opportunity for anybody 
to start i mean literally you can start a blockchain um background education on youtube yeah and by the way uh, i'm i'm want, i'm seeing more of these like educational forums pop up like uh online where pe- you can really learn different skills learn how to design uh, games learn how to de- you know learn the back end of this technology there's so many opportunities in this field right now for everybody even if you never thought of getting into this before now's the time because I'm like I said the and we're like we're saying it the demand exceeds the supply so major major and the, this and this industry is is ripe with with companies that have huge amounts of funding. They have huge amounts to spend on hiring the right talent. And uh, so this is really a time to rake it in. I do you know, believe developers you know, and tech people are going to be like the new doctors and lawyers of society as far yeah. as the pay grade. Yeah, because what I just kind of realized now um like I noticed this similarity between content creators right because I've been teaching content monetization for almost five years now and something that I always say um always told my clients over the years is that because you know basically everybody struggles with this thing Noel and I I know you know about this also being in the coaching business that oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, nobody's going to like me. Oh, nobody's going to listen to my stuff or watch my stuff or like my posts or I'm not going to make content because I'm not important enough or I don't have anything important to say. And what I've, what, you know, before we even get started on the technical side of creating content, putting good content out there, you know, we have to get the mindset right. And the fact that just because you are creating content Um, You're going to get attention because everybody's a consumer and only a very small percentage are creators. Yeah. Small percentage of the population are creators, but everybody consumes even even creators consume. Right. You and I, we create podcasts, we we consume, but we also are consuming 24 seven. So and that's it's easy to forget that when you're a creator, because when you're a creator, you think everyone else is as well. But right. it's actually not the case, no. like you're saying. No, no, no. People do yeah. not like to put themselves out there. But yeah, so most like, people don't. They want to kind of like, put, yeah. So this is my point. I've been teaching content monetization with personal brand. This whole metaverse avatar type of situation, and even like you're saying, becoming a developer, becoming a programmer, writing, you know, designing front end, writing code for back end, all these different things, um, writing smart contracts, helping uh, projects manage their um, their social media accounts, all of these things, this actually is content creation that doesn't, yeah. you don't have to put yourself in front of the camera in order to create this type of content. Right. So can, this, yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like thinking about this. It's like, mm-hmm. dude, this is a, this is a new content creation area where people are able it, to create content. It's like it, it's a new arena that's being forged in front of our eyes in real time. Like this whole, like it's, it's, it's like, I visualize like a, like, like you're plowing the land or even, even more. You're like, it's like developing brand new un, un untouched land and it's all getting developed. And it's oh. just like, I, I picture like you, the bulldo- bulldozers, like <laughs> the, all the different machines pushing out all the land, making way, because this is, this is what we mean by 
unlimited opportunities. Yeah. It's really no joke. It, it's just a matter of how motivated are you? How interested are you? I mean, it, it might not be your thing if you're listening, but it could be, um, but there's still a plenty of places to get involved. Well, you just, uh, with that analogy of plowing out the land and mm-hmm. saying like, this is a brand new territory, you just reminded me of the fact that the turkey president is going to be holding hosting um virtual meetings for the government like they're going to be in the metasphere in the metaverse they're going to be yeah meeting Uh virtually and wait say that again so like this is the um say are you talking about the it's Turkey, so the yeah, president the tur- of Turkey, the Turkish president, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he is going to have going to be hosting, or he's going to be having the government host, uh, like these virtual forums. Yes, and, and and who else has uh real estate on the blockchain is Samsung, right? Because we talked about that in on this yeah. podcast before. Yeah, that Samsung has a, I think they're in Decentraland. They have a store in Decentraland. Um. That yeah. is like the virtual version of its New York based Samsung store. And so they're already there. And now you have like Turkey government coming in to, I don't know which um, metaverse they're going to be on. They'll probably have their own. Um, but I'm just yeah. thinking about like how you're saying, like, uh, you're talking about land. Like it literally is land, <laughs> it's virtual land. And people are having, you know, people are already going into virtual stores now, you know, going to, going to be hosting virtual government meetings, mm-hmm. you know, like why yeah. would we even do any kind of, vir- why would we even do like a zoom where it's just so messy when you could put on your glasses and walk into a virtual office? You know exactly. what I mean? You know, this is super this is super exciting. What we're talking about more and more on the podcast is all of these countries are are doing different things. You know, you're hearing about all these different countries all over the world that are getting involved in the metaverse space, blockchain, cryptocurrency in different ways, and they're taking different approaches, but it looks like they're all starting their toes in. And, you know, this, this is, it's very encouraging. It's very encouraging. Uh, you know, all con- not all countries are going to be doing the same things, obviously. Uh, they all have different ties to the banking system. And the- how a country enters this space right now has 100% to do with who's controlling the country. And most countries are 100% controlled by the International Monetary Fund, IMF, which leads into the next thing that we were going to m- talk about. We talked about this briefly yesterday when we were talking about uh, Nayib Bukele, the president of El Salvador, who's really trying to get out of the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, and they don't like it. They're not happy about it. So basically uh, what he's doing is he's buying Bitcoin for the country and he wants to make that 
their national currency. Now, it's going to take a while. It's not going to be easy. And of course, he's going up against these BMS, these Goliaths that control the world, literally the world. And that's the banking system, the IMF. I mean, it's talk about a cartel. This is the cartel that runs the world. They literally own every country and every government. And so basically, this really cool video popped up on my feed. I sent it to Rachel. Um, and this guy really does a great job of explaining kind of what I touched on yesterday in the podcast episode 10. Uh, so do you want me to play this real quick? So like, yeah. he does such a great job of explaining what's really going on and why if El Salvador, and I, we said this yesterday, if El Salvador manages to create independence and not be owned by the International Monetary Fund, which owns all these countries and keeps them enslaved to debt, keeps them poor, broke, and begging for more. So like if it, and the, the, it, historically, countries that try to free themselves from the IMF restraints, the, the leaders uh, very often, unfortunately, end up missing. <laughs> Or they they un, they coincidentally have an early demise. Let's just put it that way. So it's not easy to get away from the this this cartel, right? The banking cartel. So let's just I'm gonna play this real quick, and and hopefully the audio is okay because I don't really have it set up very well. But let's see how it goes. But this is a guy. He's on. Um, I'm gonna give him credit. His name is Crypto Not Clan N A U T C L A N. He's on TikTok and other. He's, he uh, educates on crypto and stuff. So here we go. I'm going to play this. Let's see how it goes. Because the IMF profits. Let me just, uh, that didn't go well because it's like, a, I'm going to have to refresh this. Sorry about that. Let's try this again. Monetary uh, fund is urging El Salvador to abandon Bitcoin. So I decided to dig deeper and what I found is truly disturbing. And I will explain why the International Monetary Fund is so afraid of El Salvador and their Bitcoin. So strap in, because this will be a bumpy ride. The IMF is an international bank that lends money to underdeveloped nations. And they claim that their goal is to stabilize these national economies. However, they are in the business of money, and I found this little nugget on their own website. As you can see here, it says lending generates income because the IMF charges member countries to draw on its financial resources. So I'm sure the fact that they profit from this is just a happy coincidence. Then my research led me to discover that El Salvador uses the IMF. They are one of their member countries. Here, El Salvador borrows 287 million SDR, which is IMF's version of a U.S. dollar. But El Salvador has recently pulled back on their borrowing. As you can see, they have no outstanding loans currently. And so the IMF urges El Salvador to abandon Bitcoin. That is how we got here. This is an indirect threat from the IMF that they will not be supporting El Salvador if they do not abandon Bitcoin. And here's why. Because the IMF profits from underdeveloped countries, the idea of a self-sufficient country is terrifying to them. They are afraid that Bitcoin will make El Salvador a fully self-sustainable economy. And a stable economy means no more loans for the IMF. And once other small countries see that El Salvador succeeded, they will follow in their footsteps. And with no countries to give loans to, the IMF will lose power because power is ultimately the name of the game here. 
And once the dominoes fall, the IMF will be obsolete. The IMF is terrified of El Salvador succeeding with Bitcoin because it will threaten their very existence. Welcome to the Cryptonaut clan. Follow for more. So <laughs> how was the audio on that, by the way? <laughs> was the audio okay? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, well, yeah, so, so he did a great job of explaining the IMF. I thought it was brilliant, really concise and, and to the point. And basically, uh, many, many people know these things, especially in different countries around the world. In America, we're, we're kind of oblivious to this sort of knowledge. We don't learn it. Uh, and so when you understand this, though, it un you, you begin to understand the importance of getting involved in, in the blockchain and, the met and uh, cryptocurrency, because there's a lot of freedom associated with this for these smaller countries and countries in general. And this is really one way that we can collectively help kind of topple this, this system that we've all been, you know, part of that, that really keeps people, um, keeps people broke and, and, and in debt for the most part around the world. So I think it's exciting what Naib Bukele is doing. He's going to need a lot of support, a lot of help, because if he does manage to pull off using Bitcoin as their currency, it will pave the way for all these other countries. And that could be that we could be living through some very, very, very exciting uh, times to, to watch some of these these systems kind of crumble. I mean, that gets me going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> me too. Exactly. That sounds, it honestly sounds liberating. It is. Like, you mean the country doesn't need to take a loan out to survive? That doesn't make any sense to me. It honestly doesn't make any sense. If I'm a numbers person and I'm looking at the, like, you know, I like to look at numbers. If you look at, I mean, I don't know about El Salvador's numbers, but I mean, even just the United States, if you look at our numbers every year, we are in debt more and more every single year and it's like how is that possible are is everyone not working and creating value every single fucking day how is it at the end of the year we're trillions of more dollars in debt to who communist china how right how well and, it's yeah and since we're talking about communist china I think it's important to to realize that they are banning crypto. They are banning mining. Russia's following them. And if you want to understand or want to like just look at the link between um, countries who value freedom and countries who don't value freedom, I mean, there is a lot to be interpreted just just in that fact alone. I love. Um, how um, this uh, creator you were just playing um, not crypto clan uh -huh. how he's saying that that this is that that becoming um, a bitcoin city for El Salvador's city whatever and eventually all of the whole country of El Salvador running and using bitcoin exclusively to become a self-sustained country I'm here going you know that is China's worst nightmare that we would right. need them it is. It absolutely is. And which leads into a few other little tidbits here. So just to kind of keep going on this, on this, which is that, you know, something interesting is happening. Let's keep talking about some other places that are really incorporating blockchain, crypto, etc. So now we're back to America, we've got South Carolina, 
And basically, they want to play home for green, greenages, which is a, I guess a green green edge is a place, a hundred and seventy five acre crypto mining farm. So basically, it looks like. You know, the U- United States is growing as the dominant region for Bitcoin mining globally. Uh, and, the, and there's a company called Greenage Holdings, which is NASDAQ listed. They've announced its plans to establish a new data center for mining cryptocurrencies in Spartanburg County, South Carolina. Now, it's just a random place, but the new mining farm will sit on 175 acres of land creating as many as 40 tech related jobs in the state 40. Well, I'm sure it'll create more. Uh, so basically, well, know, they're well, saying, they're saying well, that it's an energy really, because it's tech. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not necessarily. So, that yeah. It really yeah. does, you know, run itself. You just have to set it up and then maintain it. They're saying uh, it's 60% carbon free. Well, that's what they have to do in order to even get like approval for doing this because they're being, they're really cracking down um, on being environmentally safe as far as mining goes. Yeah. Uh, Which is just ridiculous. If you think about the, I've looked at some charts, um, like for instance, like gold, like mining gold is like three to five times. I mean, honestly, the chart was ridiculous. You know, all, meaning, all of, wait, three to five times what? More than mining Bitcoin. Meaning more what? Energy. Or le- that it it much uses. Less more. efficient. Yeah, it uses yeah, much it uses more. uses more energy than mining crypto. Of okay. course. Think about what how much energy it takes to drill into the ground. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, there. well, this is, again, it's like a, whenever anything new is threatening the old guard, there's going to be an attack on it, right? Like, every. The attacks will come. Think of the media as the attacker. The media is the marketing sales arm of all these big systems, right? The and media. there are some agendas, massive agendas, right? If yeah. you specifically look at, um, you know, the global warming agenda specifically, and you look at, well, who and what does that? Whoever is it, you know, in charge of going around and trying to make sure that we're all abiding by these certain regulations so that we're being, you know, environmentally safe. Like look at who those environmental organizations target. And then whenever you look at who they're targeting and who they're going after, pretty great chance, pretty good chance that those, that whatever that project is, um, is going against the mainstream narrative. Um, and they use they use all these weird different agendas to attack it or make it seem like they're not that they're not going to be like sustainable essentially yeah um which is just i mean this is honestly reminding me of um uh alexandra acostas cortez her new green deal I don't know if you yeah. know any, okay if you know anything about that, but I don't know I, about her, the new Green Deal because I don't. I mean, they're all just it's all just fake fakery, right, I, right, I, right. But you can you can if you're listening, you can like look it up. I mean, it, it's this, like reading um, it's like reading fairy tales. But yeah, yeah, yeah. This bitch is absolutely off of her rocker. Yeah, she's saying that we gotta, for what I can recall, 
um, will do away with all automobiles. Um, yeah. And yeah. all transportation will be done through trains. You know yeah. what that reminds well, me of? Did you ever see uh, The Hunger Games? Yeah. Well, this is The Hunger Games is predictive programming, like all those movies. And the thing is, is they, that, you know, this is the scripts have already been written decades ago. They only ago. use trains for transportation so that they everybody could be monitored. You know, and you're you had to have your nothing. ID. You're going to own nothing. You'll be happy. Nobody's going (laughs) to own it. Why is every, why are they buying up all the land so that everyone and, and, and turning everything into rental community? Because the the goal is for everyone to own nothing, be tracked 24 seven from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed, every person on this earth will own nothing. And, and uh, like it or not, that's the way it's going to be. Everybody be tracked and traced. This is an ultimate goal. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's written. No. I read an article for not that many months ago. It's written in plain sight by the World Economic Forum. The article literally said you will own nothing and be happy. And here's why. Yeah. And this is but this. So so basically what Alexandria is, is she's just another actor in the government being a, a mouthpiece for all these crazy goals and ideas and they they keep talking about them they'll the people the human you know the people that watch the news and listen to these people will eventually just start to believe it's true because if you say something long enough it and it will be believed it will that's just the way people that's approach. like an old nazi saying correct say it long enough and people will believe well, it it doesn't matter believe it doesn't, it doesn't matter, matter how crazy it is it doesn't matter how insane it is because people have already accepted things these well, last isn't two years. that a truth of manifestation if you say it, it long it enough an you're going to create it well the the people who run the world geniusly understand how creation works you speak it into existence you write it into existence you command it into existence you say it enough and you you this is why the tv is the greatest programming tool of the 20th and 21st century because people are getting programmed 24 hours a day um also the computer obviously and the phone and all these other tech gadgets that we have their programming tools yeah to- can i tell you something you just, yeah i just remembered so this is just like a just an example um i uh my my daughter she's involved in this she does competitive cheerleading and so there was this they had sent it in a group chat with all of the parents they sent a menu for she has a competition this weekend so after mm-hmm. the competition we'll have a dinner mm-hmm. and they sent a poll on which meal package should we get uh-huh. and you know how I am about my protein mm-hmm. so you know I went in there and I answered right away and the 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 organizer for the event she texts me and she's like oh my gosh I'm so glad that you answered that poll right away she's like you got right on that and I go yeah because my plan was if I answered the question that I wanted first that hopefully that can persuade and like skew some other decision makers to also go with the one that I chose right because if you think that somebody else is doing something then there's like that that peer pressure like oh maybe that's the right one right maybe they know something that I don't know (laughs) and so um that is the power of using the the program um platforms that we have you know the social media oh well if so-and-so is doing it then I must then I should do it too right if if so-and-so is doing that then I should do that too or if so-and-so is doing this 
then 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 that must be right. Um, I watched this. It was just a very small clip. I think the at was uh, at woke breed on Instagram, which you send me their their clips all the time. You sent me something from them this morning. Mm-hmm. I had I had a chance to look at it. But the one that I was looking at was um, it was regarding the 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 moon landing on the moon mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was armstrong and he was there being interviewed by i don't uh, know some late night but show. it was um jimmy fallon david letterman it was david what letterman i think david i believe it was, it was david letterman it was actually years ago yeah it was years ago and there uh-huh. were and there were you know whoever was the interviewer was saying i think it was letterman was like oh you know you land on the moon and armstrong's like yeah well i mean you you saw what we wanted you to see exactly he basically admitted yeah in, and he in, goes in, what in you problem- mean we saw you we saw you he goes oh you mean you mean you heard me say da 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 like just yeah, some, like random gotta, words <laughs> well you know what i'm saying and then he goes oh yeah and then neil or whatever and then whoever said said that line he goes yeah that was a good line so this is a good interview to pull up for anyone because basically he's basically and and everyone knows since they never made it back to the moon right i mean let's not even get into that because people are going to think we're crazy but what everybody (laughs) here's here's the thing here's the thing I've been a researcher since I was I since I was five. I've been reading my father's encyclopedias since I was five. Okay, so I'm literally a re- researcher in my bones. Rachel as well. We both are very avid readers and researchers, and also critical thinkers. So I'm definitely not easily swayed. I'm not. I'm not easily manipulated. Uh, I, I really do. I really do not usually follow the crowd, all these things. Rachel's the same. But the thing is, is if you're listening, you go, oh, no, we're getting into the moon talk. Well, listen, everybody's called a conspiracy theorist. Because people are are something that's scary or unknown or sounds too crazy to be true. Somebody's labeled as a conspiracy theorist. If I I can't even say how many things in the last two, you're three, not four even going to believe this. I'm literally, wait, wait, let me, wait, let, I'll just say in the last two, three, four years, there have been easily hundreds of things that 10 years ago, I would have called insane, crazy, never believed it, called the person crazy that I now not only believe, but know to be true. Like no, with facts, facts. So facts, this says instead of calling them conspiracy theories, we should call them spoiler alerts. Spoiler <laughs> alerts or truth tellers, <laughs> yeah. Or we're ruining the plot because that's the thing. Actually, all you and you know the the thing is, Rachel. I know that whoever's listening to this podcast, uh, I know there's a lot of people in our audience that are really on the same wavelength because totally. more and more people around the world that are really, really beginning to understand how things work, how things are run, how things are controlled and manipulated and how we've all been like bamboozled, <laughs> like most of our life with, with basically almost everything that we believe. Well, and, yes or no, this is one of the reasons why you and I have gravitated towards this space, the exactly. decentralized space. Exactly. We're just like, this is again a new frontier. It's like it's like being in the part of a movement. Like I guess in the '60s, it would have been called maybe the hippie movement, where everybody was like, "We're gonna live on a farm. We're gonna rebel against the system. Uh, we're just gonna like raise our kids and and live off the earth." Those were called hippies, you know. 
But now I think almost like the blockchain people are representing like the new, it's like a new revolution. The only difference is it's not one age group. It's, it's all ages. It's all ages, all walks of life, all over the world. And it's, it's calling this, this whole world is calling to people who are ready to sink their teeth into a bigger, a bigger cause. I just had this vision of like a farm and I don't know if it was my farm or whose farm it was, but it was a farm with like mining machines in the back working off solar. And it was like completely off the grid and like, we're there like making our food, growing our food and mining our coins. That isn't that incredible. The thing is too, soon there's going to be blockchain phones. I can't wait. Blockchain internet. Can't wait. And that because right now there are a lot of people living off the grid and God bless them. That's amazing. But they still are on IG every day. Right, right, <laughs> so right. Like, they're, they're still on Instagram and, and, and uh, you know, TikTok. And, and yeah, they're off the grid. I mean, so listen, if you got a phone, you're not off the grid. I don't care who you are, what you do. If your phone works, you're not off the grid. If you have internet, you're not off the grid. You're not. So that's the So next. I know this guy that like a friend of mine she's dating this guy and he legitimately worked like lived in the woods for two years in like northern michigan like lived off of squirrels and like slept in the ground on the ground where it was negative 20 30 degrees and he had to like dig dig a hole and put like the coals from the fire underneath and then sleep on top of it to stay warm and did I say he was eating squirrels? Like he lived off of squirrels. <laughs> that dude was off the grid. <laughs> I mean, the, here's the thing. I, I I'm just it, it just cracks me. <laughs> that, that I love that example. I mean, you're not off the grid until you're eating squirrels. Okay, pretty much. Like, pretty like much. that is hardcore off the grid. Okay, that's what we're talking about. But if you're on your iPhone making TikTok videos every day. And, uh, and working off your website, bringing in money, uh, even you're not off the grid. Okay. So it's cool. You're doing good though. I'm sure you're doing way better than most people, but, but either way, I'm not giving any shade to anybody doing whatever it is, because listen, uh, <laughs> getting out of some of these, uh, getting out of some of the stuff that's happening right now is definitely a smart move for a lot of people. So, um, Anyway, but should I, we go into one more thing before we close this out? Yeah, what you got? Okay. So I don't want to end on a negative note though, <laughs> because the next one's a little like, huh? well, we didn't talk about Reddit. Let's talk about Reddit. Real quick. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Reddit is basically following Twitter's lead and you know, they will because they're all owned by the same people. So Reddit is <laughs> now, now listen to the wording. Okay. This is, we're going to start getting into more and more. Rachel and I are going to break down media manipulation in here um, on this podcast. You're going to get a little dose of a lot in here, but media manipulation, the wording behind these articles. Okay. It's fascinating. Uh, So basically they use words like, uh, here's the sentence following in the footsteps of Twitter. Reddit is eyeing to permit users to have NFT based profile pictures through a feature that is being tested. Now, using words like might be available, uh, limited quantity, if you're, you know, if you're one of the lucky few, uh, we're going to test it out on just a few people. Those types of terminologies 
are psych- psychologically, they, they bait people in because they go, oh, wait, I want to be part of that select few. Wait, they're going to permit me? You mean they're going to allow me? Wow, it must be something really special. And so that psychology behind all of this wording is important because they're doing that with everything right now. Uh, they're and they're creating false scarcity as well a lot right now. They're uh, anyway, so they they might be they're saying making that Twitter uh, NFT profile available like Twitter. Uh, but what this really means, Rachel, is that you're going to be hooking up your wallet to your Reddit profile, and this is ripe for. I feel like this this is ripe for a lot of vulnerabilities with uh, identity theft and uh, hacking and stuff like that that they still don't have under control uh yet um there's there's still not a there's still a lot of going on with that so what do you think well i think that reddit is actually more of a standalone company are they Uh, yeah reddit reminds me more of discord and in fact Uh huh. And in fact, they actually are planning on decentralizing social media and they actually plan to put Reddit on Ethereum. So I sent you a link on it. Are you on Reddit? Sometimes. I mean, like, I'm not on it. Okay. Well, I've built communities on there before, like Mm, in my past lives. Mm -hmm. And they have a much more open algorithm. So I always like them for that reason. I never really understood the whole karma points thing, but now that I understand um, that they're planning on tokenizing their karma points and they're actually going to have their subreddits akin to DAOs, so decentralized Mm -hmm. autonomous organizations. So they're going to be using these karma points, these subreddits um, to monetize and allow people to monetize on there. And it's going to be permissionless, open source and decentralized, just like crypto. That's what they intend for the for all of reddit and uh they say that they can't the the head guy over there at reddit raul he says he can't wait um for it to hit mainnet and see how DAOs are formed and what DeFi nft applications might emerge so um they they said that they're going to onboard half a million users to web 3.0 so i think it's really great that they're getting um their their users into web 3.0 i think that's only going to be good for this this space yeah i feel like a lot of people on reddit probably already are into web 3.0 totally it seems like it attracts kind of a younger demographic a little bit i don't know Um, and gamers yeah so that's just like the space you know yeah and um i mean for me i think what's so freaking cool is that they are decentralizing media like i'm like i you know i own a social Listen, media platform that can't happen fa- yeah, oh, sorry. yeah exactly it can't happen fast, fast enough, enough you know like no. whenever whenever if you guys are familiar with um parlor parlor was a social media platform that launched at the same time that fans plan launched but down because they use um amazon as their server which fans plan uses amazon as our server also so parlor got taken taken down because um amazon just yanked them off of their server because they they thought that trump was going to get on there or something so they yanked it and then at that point that was when i realized holy shit, my platform is not safe on amazon servers and i'm gonna like immediately started like you know racking my brain what are we going to do how are we going to um how are we going to stay um how are we going to stay in control of 
our platform and what's going on in our platform, if somebody else, you know, if we're using an API where somebody else could essentially stop us from being able to do business. And so that's why when Web 3.0 came around, started coming around, my my ears perked up immediately because I've been looking for a solution to decentralize my own platform. So watching Reddit take this road is going to create a blueprint for other social media platforms, including fansplan.com, which go get signed up on fansplan.com now. It's, you know, ready for you to monetize your content now. Um, and you know, we intend also to follow in Reddit's footsteps and become decentralized so that, um, we're on the blockchain and we can't be told what type of content is allowed and what type of content isn't. We live in the United States of America and freedom of speech should be protected. And the technology that we have should be utilized to ensure those protections. Yep. 100%. Uh, well said, well stated and, you know, lastly, there's just one more little tidbit, which is, you know, cybercrime. Okay. So cybercrime is just something for everyone to be aware of. They, you know, there's, a, you know, always do your own research when you're listening, when you're listening to anything online, when you're watching these TikTok videos, Instagram videos, uh, YouTube videos, and you get all hyped up on a project and you want to get involved in a coin and you want to invest and get into an NFT project. Just always do your own research. There's a lot of, you have to do your due diligence because what's happening is cybercrime is massive. There's a lot of hacking going on. It was, they're estimating uh, since 2017, there's been $33 billion uh, worth of crypto stolen and hacked. And basically a lot of very sophisticated money laundering schemes going on in the within the hacking world. So there's a lot that still needs to be, uh, protected when it comes to wallets and uh and clicking on bad links people do and all sorts of things going on in discord communities where people you know they'll trust they'll start to trust somebody and they get a bad link they click on it and they take everything out of their wallet so this is just a side note just to remind people be very cautious uh never give anybody your money never give people your wallet uh just be very careful and uh but but there's a lot, a lot, a lot of great stuff. I think the good far outweighs the bad. There's a leaf blower right outside my place right now. So um, it's good. I'm, I'm, I just wanted to end it there. And I say we sign off, Rachel. Yeah, it sounds good. Um, I would just, yeah, absolutely. I'll say, I want to say something about uh, this tweet, but I'm, I'll save it for next time. Oh, I'll no, say it. say it. Let's hear it. I mean, it's a whole thing. Okay. But, but basically, um, it's bought it's on Twitter. It's at Bobby hundredth.eth. He says, um, he is baffled as to why porn hasn't dominated NFTs like it did in with web one and web two, the decentralized nature of web three, the collectability ownership fandom, like vintage playboys, pinups, pinups, social follows dudes in their basement, dot, dot, dot. Porn has historically led the web. And, uh, you know, I responded that uh, maybe it, porn has dominated the web because social media platforms make it hard to organically grow um, for anyone who isn't putting naked images up there. Yeah. So, well, they encourage it. So well, if, if it's, it's not only encouraged, yeah. it's the easiest by far to 
grow and get attention. So it's not like it's being encouraged by being incentivized with more eyeballs and free marketing. And it's not, it's not censored really. They, they make you oh. think it's censored, but oh. like on Instagram. So I'll get 50 spam direct messages. I'll get 50 spam. Okay. So this is my people point on my, on my stories. They're all, Th- this they're is all my point. porn. This but is my if point. I report it, if I report it, they say it doesn't. Okay. So this is my point. My point is you're not going to, I don't believe we're going to see that. But if somebody says, you know, I want you to be healthy by eating organically, you'll get, you'll get uh, your account taken down. Right. So I don't believe that we're going to see that because decentralized in nature means that certain algorithms are not going to be in place to push certain things and restrict other things. So if people have just as, uh, just as many eyeballs on their fresh food, organic food, as they would on posting naked tits, then we can have people actually rise in popularity based upon value of content, not because an algorithm is deciding what is going to be seen. Yeah, 100%. That, so I, mean, don't, I, I don't agree with Bobby. I think that, I think that people are sick. Like you just pointed out, people are sick of the porn in their inboxes and people are looking for places to actually do business where they can market, where they can add value and, you know, the leave the porn on, uh, on Instagram, you know, yeah, there's and plenty of porn on Instagram. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, they, they encourage it. They allow it. They like it. Right. You know, the thing is, is that's because if you keep everybody distracted, uh, no one's going to pay attention to what's really happening, right, in the world. And that's the, the bottom line. If everybody stays distracted with meaningless stuff, uh, nobody's going to pay attention to the really the big stuff going on. Well, I love paying attention to the big stuff with you. We hope that you uh, got some nuggets today. I know I certainly did. Uh, follow us over on Instagram <laughs> uh, at uh, MetaMastersIO. Uh, follow us on Twitter at MetaMasterminds. Um, you know, follow us here uh, wherever you get your podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Share it with your community if you learn anything, and uh, and reach out to us. We definitely are here um, to grow and and learn and give you also you know what you're looking to uh, to to get in your in your daily metaverse metabytes podcast yes and check out our uh, nft collection lamborghini reimagined on OpenSea. you can support us over there These and it's on polygon so you're not going to pay crazy gas fees yep and we have a an nft masterclass coming out shortly so there's a lot we're, we're going to be offering and a lot of exciting things so we can't wait to share with you and, and thank I- you yeah I was just going to say, you know, I, I think one of the reasons why NFTs can be complicated is because it is on Web 3.0. So it's a little bit different than the web that we're used to. Um, but, you know, really getting onboarded onto that Web 3.0 is really going to help bring forward the whole this whole space. So let's get help you get onboarded into Web 3.0 with just something simple like NFTs. Can I just say I said today was episode 11 again? Yeah, it's episode 12 today. Yeah, so I, I did it again. I, I did it again. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. I love that though. It's like really cracking me up. Unbelievable. Okay. All right. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow for episode 563. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>